is Ron Taylor, the Rambling Boy, broadcasting live from Marshall Public Radio Studios. All most Americans know about the Liberty Bell is that it is in Philadelphia and has a crack down one side. Some of us are old enough to remember that it was once on the back of a half dollar, the one with Benjamin Franklin on the front. Virtually no one remembers that in November 1915, it crossed Texas on a railroad flat car, passing through both Martha and Alpine. The bell was cast in England in 1752 to serve as the bell for the meeting house of the Pennsylvania Provincial Assembly, a building now known as Independence Hall because it was where the Second Continental Congress met to declare American independence from Great Britain. The bell became associated in the popular mind with the Declaration of Independence due to a short story by George Lapard entitled Fourth of July, 1776, which was first published in 1847. The story told of the sudden joy of the bell's aged custodian when he was instructed to ring the bell after the Continental Congress passed the Declaration of Independence on July 4, 1776. It was pure fiction because there was no public celebration or bell ringing in Philadelphia the day the Declaration was passed. That was delayed until July 8th when it was first read aloud. But Lepard's story was widely reprinted and appeared in school primers for the next 50 years. That is the way that most of American history gets written. The Bell's 1915 trip to Texas was the result of the persistence of two colorful politicians, Mayor Sonny Jim Rolfe of San Francisco and Mayor Rudolph Blankenberg of Philadelphia. Rolfe was promoting a World's Fair in San Francisco the Panama Pacific International Exposition, and Blankenberg was promoting himself. A plethora of experts said that the bell was too fragile to travel, but both President Woodrow Wilson and former President Theodore Roosevelt got behind the calls, and on July 5, 1915, the bell left Philadelphia on a special train provided by the Pennsylvania Railroad. The bell traveled on a specially built flat car, which had the largest springs ever used on a railroad car up to that time. It was suspended from a wooden yoke mounted on the car, with its clapper removed and a steel frame inserted into it to steady it. Four Philadelphia policemen the tallest men on the force, accompanied it to San Francisco and back and protected it from the crowds at stops. 
The rest of the train consisted of four sleeping cars, a dining car, and a lounge car. Several Philadelphia city councilmen made the whole trip, and other dignitaries got on and off the train as it crisscrossed the country. Boyce Penrose, the Republican senator from Pennsylvania, who was contemplating a run for the presidency in 1916, boarded the train in San Francisco and rode back to Philadelphia, speaking at every stop. The bell was on display at the San Francisco Fair for four months. It started its journey home on November 10th and entered Texas at El Paso on the afternoon of November the 16th, where it was greeted by a huge blowout. Four military bands and a chorus of 500 singers greeted the special train when it pulled in from Lordsburg, New Mexico. Two baggage trucks of floral offerings, including a wreath from President Venustiano Carranza of Mexico, were heaped around the bell while 35,000 people watched. A battery of the 4th Artillery fired a salute. Senator Penrose made a speech, and Mayor Tom Lee of El Paso responded. A protocol for viewing the bell had developed on its trip westward and was followed as it crossed Texas. Long lines of the public climbed onto the flat car, filed past the bell, and climbed down at the other end. No one was supposed to touch it, but the guards permitted children to kiss it and adults to touch its service with personal objects, rings and bracelets for women and watches and pocket knives for men. The bell stayed in El Paso for an hour and a half, the train pulling out eastward at 4.40 p.m. It must have passed through Alpine and Marfa in the dark because it was in Del Rio early on the morning of November 17th, where a sergeant in the 19th Infantry named William Cross photographed it. The train paused for 90 minutes in San Antonio that afternoon, where 40,000 people, including 10,000 school children, gathered at a siding near Maverick Park to watch it arrive, escorted by troops and a regimental band from Fort Sam Houston, and by 300 Shriners dressed as Arabs who were holding a convention in San Antonio. That evening, the bell was in Austin, where it arrived at 5.30 p.m., a column of schoolchildren marched down Congress Avenue to the Katy Yards. Judge Nelson Phillips of the Texas Supreme Court made a speech, and Bessler's Orchestra played patriotic airs. The next stop was Fort Worth, where the flat car was detached from the train and pulled up Main Street to the courthouse on the streetcar tracks was Mrs. Mary Skidmore, 84, the daughter of a Revolutionary War soldier, seated on it in front of the bell.
The same transfer to streetcar tracks took place in Dallas, where 130,000 people lined the streets to watch it go by, and a smaller number gathered at the railroad station to hear Boyce Penrose declare that any Republican who was nominated could defeat Woodrow Wilson in 1916, a sentiment that was not popular in solidly Democratic Dallas. The railroad company experienced considerable difficulty in getting the flat car off of the streetcar tracks and back onto the railroad tracks in Dallas, which meant that the train arrived in Houston at 3.30 a.m. instead of the scheduled 9.30 p.m. Houston Superintendent of Schools, P.D. Horn, who was to give the welcoming speech, had gone home, as had the members of the Fifth Ward Sunset Band, and Senator Penrose was fast asleep in his Pullman compartment. But 2,000 Houston school children had stayed up at the station to see the bell, and the engineer held the train there until 5 a.m. so that they could all file by and kiss the bell. The Liberty Bell made an unobtrusive exit from Texas at Orange at dawn on November 19th, where a few railroad employees gathered by the tracks to watch it go by. Boyce Penrose did not win the Republican presidential nomination the next year. It went to Supreme Court Chief Justice Charles Evans Hughes, who lost the election to Woodrow Wilson. You've been listening to Lon Taylor, the rambling boy. I'll be back next Friday at 11 with another story about Texas. In the meantime, remember that you can read The Rambling Boy in the Big Ben Sentinel every Thursday. This program was made possible by a generous grant from the Summerlee Foundation's program in Texas history.